Hola, hello, bonjour, ciao, sveiki. All of these are different ways of saying hello. And all of these languages are spoken at Arcos, a European university alliance that brings together seven universities spread across Europe. Bergen, Granada, Graz, Leipzig, Lyon, Padua and Vilnius together are Arcos. This is the Arcos podcast. This is Arcos Knowledge Pills, hosted by Gerhild Leliak and Pietro Osti. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Arcus Knowledge Pills, the scientific podcast of the Arcus European University Alliance. My name is Gerhard Leliak and I'm here with my colleague Pietro. Hi. Hi, Gerhard. Hello to all the listeners. Uh, welcome to our new episode. And uh, like all the time, we, are, we have a new topic for you to discuss and new guests. Exactly. And this uh, time we, were, we are talking or would like to talk about a very, um, yeah, <laughs> a current topic, um, which is at the same time sad to say that this is still a current topic, but a very, very important one. It's Scholars at Risk. And um, yeah, we are happy to welcome two uh, guests uh, at this point, um, Francesca Helm and Claudia Padovani, both from the University of Padua. Hello and welcome. Hello to you. Hello, nice to meet you. Thanks, Francesca and Claudia, for being uh, with us today. Uh, we would like to ask you to a little, uh, do a little presentation of yourself, uh, and then we can start on uh, Scholars and Tricks. Then maybe I can start. My name is Claudia Padovani. I'm an associate professor of political science and international relations. I work at the Department of uh, Politics, Law and International Studies. And I am one of the three co-coordinators of the Italian section of Scholars at Risk. And I'm Francesca Hell. I'm also the same department as Claudia, so Department of Political Science, Law and International Studies at the University of Padova. Uh, my research area is, is English language um, and applied linguistics, and I'm also co-coordinator of the Scholars at Risk Italy section. Thank you very much for this brief introduction, and uh, now we'd like to jump right in. Uh, you are mentioned you are um, very actively uh, involved in the Italian section of Scholars at Risk. Um, how would you describe this initiative to someone who has never heard of it? What, how would you describe it? Scholars at Risk as an international organization, a non-governmental organization that was established uh, around the year 2000. And since then, uh, it has uh, operated to promote and protect uh, academic freedom around the world. Uh, SAR has offices in New York and recently also a European uh, uh, SAR uh, section was established in, uh, in Ireland, hosted at Minot University. And maybe interesting to know is that over these uh, past 20 years, uh, SARA managed to grow as an organization whereby now there are universities and research centers that participate in the network uh, from 40 different countries uh, uh, for a total of over 500 institutions. And not only individual universities can participate uh, and be part of the network, uh, but also some national sections, as we mentioned. So. Italy has a, has a national section since uh, 2019, so it's a very recent section, but also very active. And national sections can be found uh, in the United States, in Canada, in the Netherlands, in Norway, Sweden, uh, uh, Denmark, Germany, and other countries. 
currently the Italian section has 27 members, uh, including universities, uh, research centers, uh, and also the most uh, recent uh, participant is the Italian Society of Women Scholars, so an academic institution as well. Okay, thank you, Claudia. We are uh, getting into the specification of the, the network, which is like uh, sharing a little bit the idea of Arcus Network, since we are creating networks between universities and all around Europe and the world. And Francesca, we would like to ask you about uh, the most uh, unfortunately recent case that involves uh, the action of uh, scholars at risk, that is about Ahmad uh, Reha. Uh, Jalali, we know the, the scientist is in um, is now in prison, and sometimes we have some updates, and we would like to ask you how is the situation right now. As, as part of the activity of Scholars at Risk, we, we actually had an ad advocacy seminar um, about him and he was, as you know, sentenced to death in Iran in 2016 and has been in prison ever since. Um, with serious concern about his um, about his weight because he has and his health because he has lost a lot of weight. Um, at the end of November, scholars at risk heard from his wife that he had been transferred from solitary, solitary confinement in Evan prison and she'd received a telephone from him saying that he would be transferred to another prison where they would carry out the death sentence. And a lot of advocacy work took place following this information on an international level. Um, a hundred, over 100 Nobel laureates signed a petition and the scholars at risk network got very active. And in Italy, I must say, There was a, a lot of activity. University rectors signed, um, sent letters to the Iranian authorities. The CRUI, the Italian Conference of Rectors, also with the support of SAR Italy, um, sent a letter. And the Università um, Orientale also organized a 24-hour mar academic marathon to support his work, to, to talk about his work and, and his life and everything that he has been doing to raise awareness Um, I heard on, on, on the news this morning again, so his, um, the actual sentence was postponed and on the news today, they said today was supposed to be the official day, but there is hope that it will again be, be well, there is hope obviously that he will be released and that the sentence won't be carried out, but we, we don't have any more news. Maybe to follow up a little bit uh, for the people who are not aware uh, of this case, uh, what is the justification uh, for the death sentence? What is what is it that he is supposed to have done wrong? <laughs> he has been accused. Um, he was accused of um, of spying. Um, this is a, a, a case that is often brought against academics who are arrested in in Iran. So, uh, as you mentioned, uh, we, we, we get a little bit of an update uh, from time to time on this case. Uh, but I, I suppose there are a lot of other cases around the world which get not that much media coverage. Um, are there other uh, stories, uh, other faces that you would like to draw uh, our attention to? There is maybe uh, one other case uh, that uh, our students have also been working on, that of Nilufar Bayani, who is an environmental scientist, uh, also from Iran. Um, but interestingly, and, and she has also been accused of uh, spying and is uh, currently in prison alongside with a number of other scientists and scholars and, and political prisoners, uh, 
Um, many of these cases are actually not known, but that doesn't mean that organizations like SARA do not uh, uh, care for them and do not look into their situations. And actually, one of the main uh, activities uh, that uh, SAR does as part of its uh, advocacy uh, initiative uh, is to monitor these cases. So SAR runs uh, an academic freedom monitoring project uh, uh, which is supported largely by volunteer researchers, um, including legal clinics uh, and other activities. And many of the <coughs> attacks uh, that are documented are then included in a report that is published every year. It's called Free to Think Report, and it's available on SAR website uh, for free download, of course, which explains uh, in general the situation. So the main countries... Uh, uh, where uh, uh, cases of uh, violation of academic freedom take place, uh, which nowadays include, of course, Iran, uh, as we said, but also Turkey, uh, Yemen, uh, Venezuela over the last years. Uh, uh, the report also speaks about specific situations, speaks about universities that have been attacked. Uh, I think that the monitoring activity that SAR does is clearly relevant uh, to highlight uh, the many situations and many cases where academic freedom is uh, at stake uh, around the world. Uh, but also interesting to know is that uh, advocacy is one of the areas of intervention that Scholars at Risk does. Uh, the other two areas are uh, hosting and protection of some of these uh, scholars uh, and also research and learning. So as far as hosting, SAR supports universities who are uh, willing to host uh, scholars uh, who are at risk in their countries uh, or can no longer work and operate uh, in their own context. And so, for instance, in Italy, we have currently seven hosted scholars uh, at the University of Padova, University of Trento, the Scuola Normale Superiore, the School of International Studies in Trieste, um, which is an, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting number also because these are quite new initiatives for us. Whereas we know that in other countries, like in Germany and the United States, but also in France uh, and in Scandinavia, uh, scholars have been hosted for a longer period. In this case, it really means uh, to, you know, con create all the conditions uh, to be able to host, uh, support uh, scholars, uh, giving them scholarship, uh, supporting them uh, in, uh, like, entering the academic uh, context, uh, creating new networks, uh, and most of all, this should not be considered as uh, just uh, a humanitarian kind of intervention, but it really is about providing the space for them to work freely on their research. Yeah, so there is no like, a, it's, it's not like an, an emergency, uh, an emergency action. It's like mm, something about planning, something about building up something more, if I exactly. can. Yes, well. and that's important because, of course, it takes time to create the conditions that I mentioned, and it's also demanding uh, accompanying these, uh, these uh, scholars uh, when they come to our universities. But at the same time, it's very rewarding, and for some of them, it can really uh, make a difference in their, in their lives, uh, as we have experienced. Thank you, Claudia. Uh, this is an interesting aspect about the yeah, organization, which is not only uh, following critic situation, but also, yeah, building something new. Francesca, if you have something, maybe, I think, to add or... Yes, the other activities are um, also research learning. So as, as, as Claudia said, you know, we, we academics are hosted and in, in Italy there are currently seven um, academics hosted from uh, Yemen, from Iran, from Cameroon. 
uh, Turkey, so diff different realities. And part of one of the activities we organize is the scholar speaker series. And during these series, they are, we organized uh, just this semester, uh, our first our Italy speaker series. Um, they discuss, they're invited to share their story and or discuss the importance of academic freedom and as well as their research. And so we had an initial round table with the participation also of uh, two senators, um, Elena Catania and Paola Binetti. Uh, took part in the opening roundtable, which is where we launched the speaker series. And then we had a, uh, a book launch by Asli Vatansevar, who was the first uh, scholar that we hosted um, a few years ago. We also took part in the researchers' night on the 27th of November with a, a staffetta, like a relay race, connecting the SAR members in Florence, where they talked about the situation in Turkey, again, with at-risk scholars. In Padova, we talked about um, Iran, and the students presented their advocacy seminar. Also, we had the intervention of um, SAR Europe advocacy campaign, because this is right at, at the height of, of our campaign for Jalali. And then the University of Cagliari connected, talking about the situation in Belarus, which is another situation which is evolving um, right at this moment. And so this learning is a very important part of, of scholars at risk activity and involving students and the academic community in this is is fundamental yeah it's uh, really incredible to hear what what uh, what you're doing uh, and uh, how enthusiastic you are about uh, this work um may we uh, ask you how what is your personal motivation uh, that led you to become engaged in this project I think that the personal clearly meets uh, institutional motivation, at least in our case in Padova. Uh, as we know, the motto of the University of Padova is uh, Universis Universa Patavina Libertas. So it's about all freedoms uh, for all to be experimented and, um, and lived uh, in our research and teaching and learning activities. And just to remember personal motivation for me was that a few years ago in our department, we had close connection to scholars from Turkey. We had a visiting PhD, we had uh, some other colleagues that we were working with. And then uh, in summer 2016, you may remember that the alleged coup d'etat uh, took place in Turkey. And so the whole situation uh, was very grave, serious. So at that point, uh, um, we invited some Turkish scholar to speak about the, the reality. Some of them, uh, they had signed a petition uh, organized by another association called Academics for Peace. And many of them, they had been dismissed uh, by their universities, uh, so they could no longer work. So that was the very beginning. And, and I think as in many situations like this, it is the personal connection, the fact that we may happen to be close to a specific situation that just uh, raises this issue that becomes a priority. And I think over the years, uh, uh, we, we did manage together with Francesca, with a number of other colleagues in Italy, to actually create uh, uh, the space, the institutional space uh, for these activities to happen. But all members uh, of the SAR Italy network uh, are really devoted person and, and people who do believe uh, in this uh, principle of academic freedom. And, and in many cases, they also have a close connection to scholars who are experiencing violation of their uh, fundamental freedoms and, and rights. And so I guess that is uh, the main motivation. Thank you, Claudia, for sharing also your like emotions with us. And Francesca, how about you? What was your motivation at the beginning? 
Yes, as Claudia said, it is, it is the personal connections that we created um, with, with academics, but also I think um, the importance of, of having this free flow of ideas across borders. We can't stay closed, isolated from the world around us. So the university, you know, internationalization is important, but we need to engage with scholars from many different realities and contexts. And I think we can only be enriched by hosting scholars coming from as wide a range of, of contexts as possible. Um, because, it's, as, as Claudia said, it's a very much an exchange of experiences and knowledge. So... Um... That leads me to the next question, I, the one I personally uh, have on my mind right now. Um, how can anyone support scholars at risk? Um, that, that's very easy and it can happen in very different ways. So, of course, uh, for any citizen, any student, any person who is interested in this, uh, by just uh, visiting the, the website of Scholars at Risk, you can find references and information about different cases. And of course, also letters of appeal that have been drafted uh, uh, on behalf of imprisoned scholars that can be signed, can be shared, particularly they can be shared uh, through social network like Twitter and Facebook. So SAR also has a presence on the social networks. Uh, for universities uh, that are interested uh, in activities that relate to academic freedom, the easy way maybe to host events like seminars or workshops, uh, even small events, uh, to highlight maybe a specific case uh, or problem of uh, wrongful imprisonment uh, of academics in general. They could also participate or organize a speaker series. And something interesting that we have experimented at the University of Trento and Padova over the last couple of years uh, have been these uh, students advocacy seminars. Uh, so we've been working with students, uh, engaging them not only in um, Uh, exploring and mastering their understanding of academic freedom in general, but looking into some specific cases uh, for which they had uh, to develop their own uh, skills and competences and understanding, and then translate those into campaigns uh, and very practical activities. Okay, so we, we are, we are glad there is space for actions uh, for taking part of Scholars at Risk. Uh, I think, Gary, the, the last question we prepared, it's, it's, it's up to you to make because I, I, I know you feel it very, yeah, you're very interested with uh, the topic in which I... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because um, ever since we decided to invite you uh, to this podcast, um, I was wondering, um, why do you think scholars are still at risk? I mean, if we look back uh, to, to times past, I can understand that some scholars in the Middle Ages, you know, have been at risk uh, to promote their ideas when the circumstances were totally different than, than today. But it's seems that scholars still live a quite dangerous life depending on the situation of the countries they live in. Is that right? Or why do you think is that? I th obviously, there are you know, situations of conflict in, in, in countries such as Yemen, in Syria. There are um, political situations which make it uh, the situation risky for scholars. Um, in various countries and, and the influence of politics also on the educational system as well. But I think it's important to highlight that it's not even only within these countries. I mean, academic freedom is at risk in Europe as well. Um, and even, even in, in Italy and in, in other European countries. And as our colleague, um, Asli Vatenseva, again, the, the academic that we hosted, 
Um, her research now is about the growing economic precarization of the academic labor force. And it is the kind of neoliberal model of that we are living in at the time. I mean, in Germany, for example, she said 93% of academics are precarious. They don't have permanent contracts. They don't have tenure. And so this increasing precarity of researchers within universities, also within Europe, is one of the big uh, risks to academic freedom. Also, where the money from fund for research is coming from, again, that's maybe it's, it's not putting researchers in prison, but it is certainly defining which areas of research people are going into. And so the, um, you know, there are questions of public funding for universities and the precarization of the academic labor force, which are also having an impact on academic freedom in Europe, as well as in countries where there are situations of conflict and political situations which put academic freedom at risk. So I think lesson learned. <laughs> we have to stay very, <laughs> yeah, we have to pay good attention to what uh, in the world we are living in general, but uh, we, we are sure that uh, with actions like scholars at risk, things can Yeah, let's let's close it up with this hope message. Uh, things can get better, little by little, but we are working on it. I don't know, Gary, what do you think about? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I uh, would also like to um, say in the end that we'd like to close by um, saying thank you very much for for highlighting also this last aspect, uh, Francesca, that you that you uh, told us about. It's not just you know in some faraway countries, but um, it concerns also our European academia as we speak right now. Uh, thanks again for being here and uh, for highlighting um, your work and giving us an insight uh, on scholars at risk. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we see and hear, uh, see maybe not, but we hear each other again very soon in the last, in the last uh, yeah. episode of Arcus Knowledge Builds. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Have you taken your knowledge pill of the day? Be aware that possible side effects include broader perspectives, deeper insights, and an increase in your personal state of knowledge. This is Arcus Knowledge Pills. To learn more about the Alliance and its activities, please visit arcus-alliance.eu.